0: Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of the Specialty Lens Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. This podcast is meant to share the inspiring stories of how successful specialty lens practitioners built their practices with an emphasis on marketing, operations, and technology. However, today we will divert a bit from these themes to talk about a very important organization. That is near and dear to many specialty lens fitters, the American Academy of Orthokeratology and Myopia Control, otherwise known as the AAOMC. And we're going to talk to their leader. This organization is also behind the exciting Vision by Design meeting that is coming up soon, September 6 through 10, in Chicago, Illinois. Many of you know that Eaglet Eye is investing more resources in adding. Ortho-K lenses to its first lens fit algorithms, therefore our interest in this area. Our guest today is Dr. Cheryl Chapman, fellow of the American Academy of Optometry, fellow of the International Academy of Myopia Control, and diplomat of the ABO. Dr. Chapman is the president of the AAOMC. In addition to her responsibilities as president of this fine organization, Dr. Chapman has a thriving practice called Gretna Vision Source in Gretna, Nebraska, just a short distance southwest of Omaha. And she is the co-founder of Peak Pro. We will get to know Dr. Chapman, her story, and her interesting relationship to orthokeratology and myopia control. I met Dr. Chapman at the ICSC in Florida, so she has an interest in scleral lenses as well. Also, you will learn a lot about the AAOMC and its new initiatives to bring specialty lens education to doctors and patients alike as it continues to raise the standards of specialty lens fitting around the world. In this episode, we spend some time on the upcoming Vision by Design meeting. You should consider going. The AAOMC gave us a registration discount code to save you $100 on registration. It is SLS podcast in all capital letters. So again, SLS PODCAST in capital letters. This and many other interesting links related to what Dr. Chapman and I discuss are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the fine folks at Eaglet Eye. If you think this podcast has value and you want to share it with a colleague, simply use the share link on your podcast player of choice. Now, let's meet up with Dr. Chapman to get brought up to date on the AAOMC, the Vision by Design meeting, and her startup, Peak Pro. Dr. Cheryl Chapman, welcome to the Specialty Lens Success Podcast. It's really great to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: It's all started at breakfast at the ICSC, which is another meeting, right? Yes. <laughs> we're both sitting there looking at each other started t- talking. I didn't, I didn't know you and you didn't know me and we just started chatting. And when I learned um, more about who you were and what you're involved in, I just thought it was really important information to share with our listeners and anybody else that pops in. So I'm really excited about this. And it's been nice to get to know you over the last few phone conversations we've had and uh, emails and so on and so forth. So this is great. First of all, just tell us who you are, your practice, what you do. Just a short summary.
1: Sure. I appreciate the opportunity. So my name is Dr. Cheryl Chapman. I am a graduate of University of Houston College of Optometry. I've been in practice now since 2003, so about 20 years. And I, in my practice, have a very medically oriented practice, but I also have um, some subspecialties that I'm really passionate about. One of those subspecialties is dry eye care. And the other subspecialty is specialty contact lenses with um, a high concentration in myopia management, um, so orthokeratology. And within that, my path has kind of led me down the road of being very involved with the American Academy of Orthokeratology and Myopia Control, um, also known as the AAOMC. And I started out on the board of the AAOMC uh, and eventually transitioned into the role of president. So I'm very, very active with that organization right now.
0: So you're the president of the AAOMC. Mm -hmm. You have your own practice. Mm -hmm. You have a busy family. And later on, we'll talk about your entrepreneurship um, exercise, the the company that you helped found. So just to tell the audience, what we're going to really cover here and And Cheryl's given us a little bit of a beginning on this is a story, a career, a little bit about her practice, talk about specialty lenses, what it means to her, the AAOMC, and the Vision by Design meeting. That's a real important segment of this podcast. It's very interesting, I think. And then finally, we'll talk about the Peak Pro, which is the company that you are, I guess, a co-founder of. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes.
0: Okay and uh with some great products and so some some of the listeners may be familiar with that already so first of all just why don't you share a story with us something a real life story about a case or situation that made specialty lenses important to you
1: so you know i'm very passionate about progressing myopia um it's very near and dear to me because i have some family members probably many 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 of our listeners also have family members who are nearsighted Um, I have a sister who's very nearsighted. I have some in-laws who are very nearsighted and I have six children, Ted, as you already know. And so (laughs) I'm watching my children grow. I'm watching their eyeballs grow. And um, one of my daughters is a progressive myope. And by the age of 15, she already had a retinal hole. We have been able to treat her successfully with myopia management to help slow her eye growth. But I'm really passionate about it because there's a lot of doctors out there who haven't yet really um, gotten heavily into it. And a lot of doctors have been really slow to adopt some technologies like axial length and things like that, although it's catching on more, Um, but it's an expense, right? And one of the things that's really interesting about my daughter's case in particular is that she does not have a very high prescription. However, she has a very long eye. And I didn't realize how long her eye was um, when she was much younger because I did not yet have my axial length instrumentation. And I looked at her and she was like a minus 0.5. And that's not very alarming in most cases. But if you take a little bit closer look at her, she also has a very flat case. She's only got a 40 diopter um, cornea. And, uh, as she progressed, she's about to a minus two and a half now, but she has almost a 26 millimeter eye, you know? And so you can't always just look at refractive error. Uh, and there's a lot of doctors out there who do that. They look at a kid and they think, oh, well, he's only a minus 0.5, or he's only a minus one. Um, but you really need to be looking at more than just that refractive error. Um, so yeah, it's very near and dear to me. My daughter, um, you know, I don't want her to progress any further. I know that the incidence of vision loss by age 75 is about one in four if your eye exceeds 26 millimeters. And so I do everything I can to, you know, slow her eye growth down so she doesn't get any longer than she already is.
0: That's a great way to start the the podcast, just talking about that and why it's important and why it's important to you, why it's important to everybody. So um, you went to school at the University of Houston. That's where you got your optometry degree. And where did you first work after graduating?
1: Um, Well, that's an interesting question because, you know, a lot of us, we graduate and we're looking for work. And I think it's a lot of doctor's dreams to be in private practice. And I just got lucky. I got lucky. I came back to Nebraska and I was trying to put together a bunch of um, you know, jobs to kind of make up a full time schedule. At the time, there wasn't really a full time position available in Omaha, and I really wanted to be in Omaha because it's where my husband's family was located, and we had small children already at the time. Um, and I was going to be the main breadwinner. My husband was going back to school after I graduated to get his JD and his MBA. And so I you know, I looked around and I found just a bunch of um, part-time jobs, some of them retail, some of them private practice. And what really turned out to be a very good thing was the fact that I was at all these different practices because I saw a lot of different styles. I I got so much experience by being in such um, a variety of different office settings or different practice settings. And I think that um, a lot of the lessons I learned in those first few years, I've carried with me um, throughout all of my practice career. Um, and you know, like when you talk to young graduates and you talk to them about getting involved in state associations and in, and in organizations like the AAOMC, networking is so important. I think back to where my where my career is now, it's very dependent upon where I was three months after I started practicing. I went to our state association meeting and I met a doctor there at a new member reception. And um, about two weeks later, he called me and asked me if I wanted to do one day a week in his satellite practice. And that today is the practice that I own. And if I had not met him at that networking event at my state association meeting, um, I never would have had that opportunity open up to me. Um, And he told me years later, he's still one of my mentors and I still talk with him regularly. And he told me years after he hired me that the reason he hired me was because I was at, because I had signed up to be a member of our state association. And then I had gone to the state association meeting because he recognizes how important it is to be involved in organizations like that to keep the profession healthy.
0: That's awesome. And so a note, again, to all the pe- young people that are about to graduate or are just graduating and getting getting out there is embrace the challenge of having to work at a lot of different places like you did. And a, yeah. a couple of the people I've interviewed had to do that same thing. They, they had to moonlight at several places while they were trying to start their practice. So just embrace it. Embrace what you're going to learn. And then the networking. I think that's, you're right. That is so important. And, and you've built that into the meeting, which we'll talk about um, later on. How did your work at this particular practice with this doctor that's been something of a mentor? How did that lead to you owning your first practice?
1: Well, so he um, originally started the satellite practice in August of 2001, which if you're old enough, you'll remember what happened in September of 2001. His timing could not have been worse. He started this practice as a satellite in a kind of a growing suburb of Omaha, and a month later, the Twin Towers went down, and everything came to a screeching halt, and the economy kind of tanked for a while, and so it was a very slow growing practice. It was two years later that I graduated, and it just so happened that his associate left because um, his associate uh, needed health care, uh, and they didn't provide health care at that time, and so he called me. I went out there, and I was working um Day and a half, maybe two days a week. And um, one of the interesting things is he had started this practice as a satellite because he wanted to grow it into a a full force practice by the time his son would go to optometry school and graduate. And his son ended up going to optometry school and graduating five years after me. He graduated in 2008, I believe. Um, But in the meantime, um, my my mentor, doctor, he had decided he didn't want to have a satellite practice anymore to give to his son because he was going to want to integrate his son into his own practice so that he could eventually um, cut back and retire. Um, and so he said to himself, I don't want this satellite clinic anymore. I, Dr. Chapman, was the doctor working there full-time at the time. And really, I was almost kind of running the place. And so he came to me in 2006. I had been working there for three years. He came to me in 2006 and asked me if I wanted to purchase the practice. He gave me first right of refusal, which he didn't have to do, um, but he did because that's just the stand up guy he is. And I said, yes, I was. Eight months pregnant with my fourth child and my husband was a full time student doing his JD MBA degree. So the timing was a little, um, hectic, but you know, when opportunities present, you snatch them up. We signed the papers and it was almost just like doing business like normal because he was such a great mentor to me that I already knew how to run a good practice because I had been in the midst of his presence throughout these three years. So that was pretty wonderful. The only thing that changed immediately was I said to my office manager at the time, I said, all right, I've signed the papers, new dress code, we're all wearing scrubs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that that was my favorite um, first change that we did. Um, But yeah, you know, we just have grown since there.
0: That's a great. That's that's a great story. I love it. And he was really a stand-up guy to give you first out of refu- refusal. That's terrific, and um, it's been history ever since. And and you're the, and when we were talking the other day on the phone, I mentioned you're the second person that has taken over practice when they're pregnant that I've interviewed. Uh, that's pretty interesting, but uh, a lot of gumption, a lot of ambition there. So in addition to that, I'm just going to rattle off a few acronyms. We're not going to go into detail about them now, but. You're also an FAAO. Most people know what that is. I mm-hmm. I IACMM, Probably fewer people know what that is. F I A O M C, and a diplomat of the ABO. Mm-hmm. And like I, would, I just want to point out to people that that uh, Cheryl is all these things. And if you go look at like the A A O M C website and see her letters. Or her welcomes or whatever you'll see all these things, these acronyms behind her, and we're going to talk about those because they are important. We're going to talk about those in a little bit, um, and as we, you mentioned before, you're the president of the AAMC. Uh, again, this is important. and We're going to talk a lot more about that a little bit later. We're going to go back to sort of the chronology of things here, and we were talking about the satellite office. You said the timing was scary, and that was probably because you're pregnant, and it's you know it's one thing to being employed in a practice, it's another thing to be completely responsible and pretty far along in your pregnancy. Uh, Any more observations from that about how you did it, how you succeeded, how you managed that situation?
1: Well, you just have to have a strong support network. You know, like I said, my husband was um, still a student at the time, so he couldn't offer a whole lot financially. But He was there for me emotionally and um my parents you know would help if the kids got sick and they couldn't go to daycare and and things like that it's you know i I think a lot of people listening to this podcast can understand the real struggle there is when you're in a job where you it's hard to call in you have a full schedule of patients like it's just it's hard to call in so yeah you know just setting up those support systems and doing your best to grow effectively um, having not being afraid to ask for help not being afraid to ask for advice there are so many more resources now than when I was doing it podcasts are awesome because listening to other doctors what they do what works what doesn't work um, social our social media is awesome you've got some great groups like ODs on finance and and things like that to kind of just bounce ideas off of that stuff wasn't really accessible um, back when I started and and boy the collective power of, you know, the brain, the the collective brain. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. The hive, so to speak. Yes. And another thing, another thing is you've been a vision source practice from the start Mm -hmm. and you indicated that there was some benefit to that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. You know, um, vision source has really given me a lot of opportunity in terms of like cost savings. As I've grown with the purchase of new equipment, I've been accused of maybe liking to have a lot of the latest and greatest toys, which is true. Um, But I feel like it makes me a better practitioner in many ways. But one of the most important things that I've gotten from that um, network of doctors is just the, the sharing opportunities in particular, in Nebraska, I feel like our group is very, very strong because our administrators have been very intentional about making sure that we have, you know, quarterly meetings and, and getting together with one another and sharing ideas. Like nobody's really protecting their own practice management tips; they're sharing them. And again, it goes back to that that culture of my mentor, and he was very involved with Vision Source, and he was our administrator. Um, at the, at the time that I bought his practice and it's such a, a great community that we have here. And I think a lot of, whether it's vision source or other groups that you're involved in having those people that you can count on to help share practice management ideas and, um, and support one another that way.
0: Okay. Very good. You took over in 2006 and almost 10, 10 years later, you were at a meeting in San Diego where somebody was telling you what?
1: Well, so actually the doctor was from San Diego, but I met him in 2015 and we were on a trip to Scotland. We had both bought an OptiMap. And of course I asked OptiMap oh. if I could just be charged less and not take the trip to Scotland. Cause at the time the big thing was if you buy an OptiMap, you'll go to Scotland for your, your training. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'd rather not go, <laughs> can I just pay less? And they were like, no, you cannot pay less. We charge you the same amount. Do you want the trip to Scotland or not? And I was like, all right, fine, I'll go to Scotland. So I went to Scotland and there were, I think about uh, 10 or 15 other doctors there. And one of those doctors was from San Diego and he kept using the term myopia control. And I thought to myself, what is this guy talking about? Like, I know what myopia is, but he says this as though it's a thing that I should know. And I felt really bad, like kind of, kind of dumb that I didn't know what he was talking about. Like I could kind of, you know, get, use context clues and figure it out. But I was like, why do I not know more about this? And I thought to myself, well, okay, he's on the coast. The coast always gets stuff sooner. I will, I'm sure our state association will bring this education to us. And, and then, you know, it's 2016 and I still wasn't, seen anything in my local CE and of course I had at this point in time, six small children and like couldn't ever go anywhere for CE. I was doing it all locally. And I saw a Facebook post where a doctor from South Dakota had said, Hey, everybody hive. My niece lives in California. The doctor there, her prescription keeps going up. The doctor there is telling her she should use atropine eye drops. What are they talking about? And at that point in time, the bell rang in my head and I thought to myself, well, I know what he's talking about, but I don't know very much about what he's talking about. And so I messaged this doctor from San Diego and I said, hey, I'm not going to be patient enough to wait for it to come to my state CE. I need to know where I can go to learn more about this myopia control stuff. And because at the time I was like, I would look online and they're just, you couldn't even really Google a whole lot about it. And um, he said, go to Vision by Design. Vision by Design is the conference to go to. And I was like, all right, well, if you say so. I had never heard of it before. Never heard of AOMC, never heard of Vision by Design. And I think there's still a lot of doctors who haven't, which is like, whoa, like, how do we get this word out? Fortunately, I had asked him this question about a month before the conference happened, um, which we are about a month before Vision by Design right now. And so I blocked my schedule, booked my flights, registered, got the hotel room, flew to Vision by Design. And oh my gosh, Ted, my mind was blown. I've never looked back. It was the most amazing conference I've ever been to. So much information. I felt like doors were opened, my world was opened. Um, Everybody there is passionate about this. Everybody there is excited. Talk about a way to light your fire and get you excited about something. Best
0: thing I ever did. And what I think is really interesting is right now, when you look at the publications, when you look at the advertising, when you look at the webinars, it's all this myopia management, myopia management, as if it's the new catch word over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the Vision by Design people or the AAOMC, they were tackling this a long time ago.
1: It's kind of fun when you listen to the oral history of what's kind of gone down here so Kerry Hertzberg was a visionary and he and a small group of other visionaries started the AAOMC in 2000, 23 years ago. And at the time, you know, they were, they started it more as like an orthokeratology group to teach people how to do ortho K. Um, and the, the, the doctors who were doing ortho K in 2000 were almost looked at like they were insane. People thought they were a little crazy, a little kooky, like maybe that they were trying to sell snake oil, right? And you know, then fast forward, you're getting all these publications to prove that orthokeratology slows myopia progression. And that's opened up a lot. But yeah, over the over the last 23 years, the AAOMC has really built up something very special because it's a group that delivers their whole mission is to deliver, to deliver this outstanding education and to do it in a very non-biased forum. And so, you know, you don't have anybody telling the AOMC to like push a certain agenda. And so it's really a safe place to go to learn everything uh, without somebody trying to drive you one way or another way. And I think that's really important in something like this when it's so very new and there is still a lot of skepticism about it. Um, there are still doctors who don't really buy into it. They don't really believe it. And I'm not just talking about optometry. I'm talking about pediatricians. I'm talking about ophthalmologists. I had a patient that I had doing ortho who also had bilateral ptosis. And she went to her oculoplastics doctor, and who's an ophthalmologist here in Omaha. And then they, they had been to him that morning. And then they came to me that afternoon for an orthoK follow-up. And at the follow up, the mom told me that the, the oculoplastics ophthalmologist had told her, like when she said, we do ortho he said, no, don't do that. That's bad. And then they left the appointment. And about an hour later, he called her and he said, you know what? I went across the hall and he's at a big teaching hospital. And he said, I went across the hall and I talked to our optometrist on staff and she showed me the studies and I was wrong. Wow. You know, so so we've constantly sort of been fighting against that prejudice and things are opening up. The world is opening up. We now have consensus statements by the uh, World Pediatric Strabismic Society, like that say myopia management is a thing. You've got Apple iPhones, they're putting um, vision apps on their phones, they're quoting the IMI white papers on the myopia studies that are there, like as to why um, reduced screen time and reduced working distance is important. Like, like it's recognized now as a real thing. And so that's really exciting to all of those doctors who worked so hard at the AOMC to build what they've built. Um, I mentioned Dr. Kerry Hertzberg earlier who founded it. He was president for 15 years. Um, Paul Levine followed him in his presidency for five years. We had Carrie's son, Matthew Hertzberg, was our executive director for 20 years. He just stepped down last year as we transitioned into an association management group to help us kind of attain that next level to grow even more because so many more doctors are interested in this now. And it's it's a lot to manage when you have so much interest and you're trying to put together this really great conference. And, and you have more and more attendees every year, and you have more and more industry partners that you get to work with. Um, you know, we've got big names now that weren't there in the beginning. We've got Cooper Vision now, we've got Johnson & Johnson now, we've got Oculus and, and, and Medma and all these great vendors who help us out um, in spreading the word and in supporting the practitioners.
0: That's no, terrific. And I want to keep going on the AOMC in just a second, but I want to go back to your practice that 10 years ago, when you had all this new knowledge and you mm-hmm. come back, you come back to Gretna, Nebraska, what did you do? What did you do with that knowledge? How did you proceed to implement myopia management at that time, ortho-K at that time? How'd you do that?
1: I will tell you what, Ted, that is a hard task. One of the most beneficial things that the Vision by Design conference does is they kick it off with a two day boot camp, boot camp for beginners, and it literally walks you through everything. Um, and so, but it's a lot, especially if you aren't currently doing it in your practice. And so, I would encourage people to bring staff to the meeting if they can, at least one staff member, because anytime you try and bring something back from a conference, If you have someone else who was at that conference as well, to implement that when you get back to your practice is so much easier. Um, And in fact, we feel so strongly about that, that um, we have a committee who has spent the last year sort of perfecting um, an online staff training that we will be launching August 12th of this year. Um, It is called the um, Staff Boot Camp and when they go through this it's online it's on demand so they can do it remotely um, if they want to and when they complete all of the online modules and online tests then your staff can be certified through the aaomc and that certification is called cmn or certified myopia navigator and it's it's pretty special because when you have a staff member that's that knowledgeable that's where the magic happens with regards to implementation in your own practice with creating protocols and making sure that you have somebody on hand to really discuss those topics with patients who have a lot of questions. You cannot do this alone. You have to have your staff on board with you.
0: Okay. And since you've gone that direction a little bit, you know one of the things you and I talked about on the phone the other day was this terrific foundation that Carrie Hertzberg and Paul Levine laid down Mm -hmm. and now you've taken over and you know we've talked we're sort of hinting at some of these things about the additions that you have put in place and like one was something you just mentioned which was the association management company Uh, a new if you want to call it a best practice is this uh, this new certification for staff but you also have a new website right
1: we do have a new website it's so exciting our website is just aaomc.com, I believe, or it could be .org. I don't know. <laughs> huh. I just type in aaomc and it comes up. We've completely modernized the website. We have we used to have a separate website for Vision by Design, and now Vision by Design is on the aaomc website. We have a doctor finder on there. We have a patient-facing part of the site, so just for patient information. But we have a doctor-facing site as well, um, so our members get you know, extra content, you know, extra support. And so it's just, it's just really nice to be able to go in there and um, look up doctors by what lenses they fit. Um, Like, let's say I fit wave lenses, for example, and I might have a patient who's moving to New York and I want to know who's fitting wave lenses in New York. I can simply go on the doctor finder and look it up and okay, I know this guy, I know he's a, a good doctor. I'm going to refer my patient to him.
0: That's terrific. How many people are are members of the AAOMC, approximately?
1: Uh, We have about 400 doctor members right now.
0: Okay. And even though it's American Academy, Mm -hmm. it's more than just American Academy, right?
1: Correct. So, Dr. Carrie Hertzberg also, um, after he got some momentum with our American Academy here, he also created the International Academy. And now there are, Approximately six sections um, throughout the world. Um, And so you have this really cool collaboration between these different sections. We have this awesome online Google group, and I don't think a day passes where I don't see a message about somebody like, hey, I have a patient who's traveling to India and they forgot, whatever. Are there any practitioners there who can help them? Or I have a patient who's moving to Singapore. I'm looking for somebody to transfer care to there. And it's just so cool to see this international discussion happening. Um, Or we've got doctors here who are asking doctors in Australia about the um, spectacle lenses that are used to treat myopia now and like, hey, what's What's going on? Like, are you guys finding them to be effective? Are some more effective than others? It's just, it's just fun to see these conversations happening.
0: Okay, well, let's move into the discussion about these acronyms. So, what is the IACMM and its purpose?
1: Okay, so the purpose of the IACMM it stands for International. Academy certified myopia manager. And it is a certification for doctors and for very, very high level industry partners. If you've got somebody who's maybe like a PhD, maybe they're not an OD, but they're a PhD and they um, study optics and they've helped develop topography stuff or whatever, like um, they would be eligible for this as well. And it's basically proving competence in all areas of myopia management. So not just specific to Ortho-K, but all of it. Um, Ortho-K plus atropine, plus soft myopia management contact lenses, plus um, binocular vision and how that can affect progressing nearsightedness and, you know, choroidal thickening that's happening. And just like all these different aspects wrapped up into one. Whereas when the AAOMC was first started and they created their very first fellowship, their first fellowship was FIAO and it was Fellow for the International Academy of Orthokeratology. And then that kind of morphed into FIAOMC, Fellow for the International Academy of Orthokeratology and Myopia Control. So there are um, some fellows who had a little bit um, of that myopia control in their testing, but mostly that fellowship was very, very specific to OrthoK. And not all doctors who do a lot of myopia management are necessarily to the fellowship level for OrthoK, because that's that's really, really high knowledge on really hard fits. But maybe they're pretty good at basic OrthoK and everything else myopia management. And so we've positioned it to where the IACMM is the first certification you would get and then as you specialize even further into high, high level ortho-K, um, then you can be eligible to sit for the FIAOMC fellowship.
0: And what's involved in attaining these different certifications or the fellowship? I mean, is it like a set group of courses or do they, and then some tests?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we have a recommended study guide that really is Awesome! It was written by Dr. Patrick Samard and Dr. Langi Michaud from both from Canada, and it's uh, and I think there's some other co-authors on there as well, but those are the two main authors. It's called Managing Myopia One Child at a Time. Uh, if you go on, if you're a member of AAOMC or if you go onto their website, I believe we have a link with a discount code on there. The AOMC members can get a discount on that book, and that book. Really has everything you need to know to pass that IACMM test. And we, um, you can do the test remotely. We can do it really at any time if you apply for it and are accepted to sit for the test. But we also t- are doing testing at Vision by Design this year. So I know we've got some doctors who are going to be sitting for the test then to get their IACMM. And internationally, it's been a huge hit. I think we had in one of, the emails that came through there were like 60 new doctors had passed it in europe um, which is just super exciting they've embraced it so yeah it's it's very attainable all of the information is right there in that book and i would recommend that book for anybody whether you want to sit for that certification or not Um, it is so beautiful how it's written because it gives all the evidence-based stuff in like one section and then a following section will give you the clinical relevance And then they'll go on to the next section and give you clinical stuff or like um, evidence-based and then clinical application and over and over again. It's just such an easy read and it just makes sense.
0: And for the listeners, I'm going to have links to all this stuff in the show notes you know, the different organizations, the what the acronyms mean and all that kind of stuff. So that'll be in the show notes to help help you access this. And then for the fellowship, do you actually have to do a, a fellowship someplace or is that just another level of study and testing?
1: The FIAOMC fellowship is a little bit more rigorous, I would say, in terms of qualifying you have to um, have like a certain number of ortho k fits under your belt before you can really sit for it you have three abstracts that you have to write and have accepted and then write them into case reports Um, and those have to pass muster. And then if you do an adequate job with those, then you will have an oral presentation of one of those case reports. And then you kind of get grilled by um, a testing committee um, to make sure that you actually can answer questions about why you did what you did in your case, so that you actually show that you understand the design and, and potential modifications that may need to be made. And then there's just sort of like an overall test as well, like a multiple choice test um, that needs to be passed. So there, there's quite a few components to that orthokeratology fellowship.
0: Okay. And finally, you're a diplomat of the, AB, of the ABO. Mm-hmm. Um, what's involved with that? That's not really necessarily related to orthokeratology. That's just related to the general optometric profession, correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah, it's not related to AAOMC at all. But I felt strongly about doing that because I well, I've been accused of really liking alphabet soup, <laughs> which is evidenced by the amount of letters I have, but I really like a challenge. I have always been a learner. I'm a lifelong learner. I like to prove to myself that I can do hard things. And so um, I, I was eligible to sit for this test based on just a you know certain number of hours, um, CE hours and things like that, that you have to attain, then you study for it. And I went to a testing center. I think it was maybe six or eight hours. um, And it was like taking boards. It's all aspects of optometry. And I was able to pass that. And then I have to just maintain that certification by also, you know, doing so many CE hours every year and um, certain online modules. Um, They've really changed it a lot, like how we maintain that certification, which is a it's very attainable, but it makes me sit down and read some of the new literature on stuff. Like things have changed, um, you know, protocols for and, and diagnostic equipment for stuff has changed from when I graduated in 2003 to today. One of the ones that I remember doing was um, on Plaquenil toxicity. And like when I graduated from optometry school, OCT as we know it today did not exist. And, you know, and I've learned a little bit here and I've learned a little bit there, but I remember when I had to sit down and read some of the latest evidence-based studies on Plaquenil toxicity, I remember thinking, I'm glad I had to do this because I learned some stuff today, stuff that I didn't learn from a CE lecture on Plaquenil. And uh, and a lot of it had to do with um, different ways to really analyze my OCT testing on it. And I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, it's just really a way of sort of holding yourself accountable for making sure that you're staying up to date on new stuff as it comes out and that you're able to be the best doctor that you can be and provide the best care for your patients to improve patient outcomes.
0: Excellent. Okay, so now let's move into the VBD, a little bit more detail about that, which is an important part of the AAOMC. And I'm just going to tell everybody it's, it's from September 6th to the 9th in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And for those that don't know Schaumburg, it is very easy access to Chicago's airports and to the highways that come in from all these different states come right through that area. So for practitioners, whether you're from Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, parts of Ohio, Missouri, it's not that difficult to drive. So uh, easy to get to if you want to register for it. So what? What? tell me a little bit, what is the vibe that you try to create at the um, uh, Vision by Design meeting?
1: Vision by Design is so special. I think one thing that makes it special is the passion that you just feel crackling in the air the moment you walk into this conference. Um, When doctors come to Vision by Design, if they're a newbie, if they've never been there before, they always notice it, they always comment upon it. Um, And they always say, I'm definitely coming back next year. Um, You know, Before pandemic, it was like every year, year on year, the conference was getting bigger and bigger, you know, and then we kind of put the the brakes on that for a couple of years, but um, we had our first conference last year since the pandemic and it was awesome again. And it, we didn't lose any of that culture. We didn't lose any of that vibe. We purposely make the breaks really long, 20 to 30 minutes per break. And that's because half of the learning going on at vision by design is happening during the coffee breaks. Um, doctors are so excited to talk about how they do this and how they do that, and you've got the young and you've got the old, and the mentee and the mentor, and and so many, so much networking. It's so cool to meet these people and hear them speak, and then you can become a part of the Google group and and get the emails and just watch the conversations. I remember my first couple of years when I still felt unsure of my own abilities with myopia management. I would just read all these comments from these super smart doctors um, that had been doing it for much longer. And I was just a sponge. I was absorbing this information. And yeah, being on site at Vision by Design is very helpful because it it just feeds your energy and and it makes you believe that you can do this too. Um, And it's a very supportive community.
0: So you and I met at the ICSC, which is the Uh, Congress related to scleral contact lenses, it's really focused on sclerals. Do you think there's some synergies here between the ortho-K world, myopia management world, and the scleral lens world?
1: Yes, absolutely. I love that you bring that up. I think a lot of doctors who do ortho-K also do some scleral lens and vice versa. Although frequently you will have them sort of leaning one way or the other, but there's so much overlap in understanding materials and understanding curves of lenses and understanding care and handling and just all of those special nuances that go along with protocols to put in place and billing. And, you know, it's just, there's so much crossover. And so I do believe that the two worlds have a very nice intersection, um, that can be, you know, kind of applied to both.
0: And there's, a. Uh... At least one company, if not more, that will be introducing a scleral ortho-K lens at the uh, VBD meeting.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really interesting that you bring that up because there's a lot of talk about um, large people. Some people call it large diameter ortho-K. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, there there's so many applications here.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned some new practices that you're implementing within the VBD structure to try to spice things up. You know, could you talk a little bit about those?
1: Yes, Ted, I would be happy to. So one of the things I was really excited about um, as I took a larger role in the education committee in planning this Vision by Design conference um, and along with the assistance of our association management company was implementing the practice of having call for lectures or a call for lecture submissions. And I felt like that would be a good way to kind of get some new blood. You know, sometimes there's people just waiting on the fringes that want to be involved, but they don't really know how to get involved. And I so, so I felt like this was a way to sort of invite them in. And it and it worked out beautifully because we had some really fantastic submissions for lectures um, for people who've never spoken at VBD before, but they're super qualified. And so I think that will help kind of keep it new, keep it fresh. We always have Some repeat, um, like returning lecturers who are just so amazing. Randy Kojima comes to mind. I have never heard a topography lecture better than the lectures he gives. Like, oh my gosh, if you want to know how to interpret and and read topography to really elevate your fit, wow, Randy's great. You know, but it's good to have new information every year too. And especially with something like myopia management, because there are new studies coming out all the time. So that was the first thing we did was just kind of open up those lecture submissions to kind of see what interesting and new things would come in. And then the second thing that we're doing this year um, is we're doing a new doctor mixer. And the new doctor mixer is really important to help with networking. I'm hearing uh, as doctors are getting older and they're wanting to know how to hire associates that are really interested in myopia management or they're even wanting to find somebody who's interested in buying into their practice so they can start stepping back. It's hard to find these doctors. And so we want to create an environment where they know they can go there and, and have these conversations. And um, I just think that that's a really important part of an association. And maybe I feel so strongly about that because that's how I landed in the role I landed in. I met a doctor at a at a new doctor mixer. So that's, one thing that we have incorporated and then one thing that we're very excited about is our Saturday night gala. Uh, We are calling it the Ortho-K Pearls Ball so like practice pearls. In honor of the pearls the dress code is anything white So you can either dress casually or you can dress formally. We just ask that you're wearing white. Um, And I think that'll create a really fun atmosphere. We are going to be having dueling pianos there and uh, a wonderful meal. And it'll be just a really great way for everybody to come together um, in one room to sort of celebrate the close of the conference.
0: That's exciting. That's fun. And then when we go back to that mixer, we call it the new doctor mixer. That's really for everybody. So it's the older, more established doctors, but along with the new doctors. So it's a chance for these two groups like the mix and network and talk and get to know each other.
1: Students, new doctors, old doctors, everybody. We want everybody in the room to just converse with people they wouldn't normally, you know, maybe it's not their friend that they've known for 20 years. Um, the whole purpose is to, you know, network with the, the younger folk and the older folks.
0: Awesome. Very good. Let's see. You've got the boot camp. We t- You mentioned that before. We talked about that already a little bit before and what a newcomer can expect. Um, anything else interesting on the agenda that we should know about?
1: Oh, everything. <laughs> It's every year I think, how can we top this? How can it get better? And then every year I see new and interesting lectures. One hot topic that I keep seeing being asked, I'm administrator for a Facebook group called Myopia Management for Everyone. And I've created this group because I see how valuable my big fat scleral lens Facebook group is for patients to have a place to go and talk and ask questions. And I envision that this could be something like that someday. And so industry partners can be on there, ODs can be on there, patients can be on there. And one question that I keep seeing is people are desperate for knowledge about these really, really high myopes that are very young children. And a lot of times they have a genetic component or some sort of syndromic condition that is tied to their progressing myopia. and they're a whole different beast. This is not normal myopia. This is not normal progressing myopia. Um, And so it's really, really interesting to see the conversations that happen there with regards to potentially treating it with latanoprost and things like that. We have a lecture that's gonna talk about that this year. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's always always the new stuff at BBD. So it's really exciting.
0: And that's a couple more links I've got to put in the show notes, those Facebook groups, I'll, I'll dig them out. Is it too late to register and get a room?
1: It is definitely not too late to register and get a room. We still have rooms available on the room block. We do still have space for more doctors to register. Um, We want to have a really great conference this year to help support our industry partners and, you know, make it worth everybody's time.
0: Okay. So no excuse. Great place to go learn at early September. Get those kids off to school and then go to school yourself. That's what we're going to do. All right. let's just talk a little bit about Peak Pro. How did Peak Pro get started? What motivated you to get involved in this uh, entrepreneurial enterprise?
1: Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, one of my subspecialties is dry eye. And I also feel very passionately about dry eye because I myself suffer from dry eye. And I understand how really bothersome it can be and affect quality of life. And I also treat a lot of... um, like Demodex, Demodex blepharitis. And so I one day took a picture of a patient, um, their eyes pre and post blephex treatment. And I sent it to one of my colleagues here in the Omaha area um, who just, I get along well with him. We just like to spend, send clinical cases back and forth to each other. And I said, check this out. Like this was so nasty and now it looks so good we kind of got into a conversation of how do people get to this point? Like, why Why do we have so many people who have such nasty eyelids? Why are eyelids so gross? And why don't we take better care of them? Why don't we all wash our eyelids every day in the same way that we brush our teeth? Why don't we teach our patients to have better eyelid hygiene? Um, So myself and Dr. Chris Wolf decided that we could do this. We can do better. We can do better for our patients. We can bring something to our patients that will help them clean their eyelids better. Um, And so we wanted to create a toothbrush for the eyelids, basically. And so I mentioned earlier in the podcast also that my husband, um, when I graduated and started working, he went back and got his JD and his MBA. So fast forward in time, and my husband's been working in the entrepreneurial space for some time. He works with a lot of startups. And when Dr. Chris Wolf and I started having this conversation and we said, we can do this. I said, Hey, I know a guy. So um, (laughs) we scheduled time to go visit my husband and talk to him about the problem that we saw and the solution that we wanted to provide. Um, And so Tom being the business guy that he is saw even more potential from the conversations that we had our business Peak Pro was born. And what Peak Pro does is it is a eyelid and hygiene company. So we have just launched the Peak Wava, which is an eyelid cleansing device, kind of like the quote toothbrush for the eyes. Um, But we also created our own proprietary um, eyelid cleansing solution that we think smells better and feels better than the other solutions that are currently on the market. And And we did that intentionally because a lot of our patients didn't want to use some of the other solutions because they smell bad. And we're trying to create a positive feedback loop so that patients will adopt this new habit into their routine to clean those eyelids. But what we also did was we created a subscription box service to help doctors deliver these products to their patients so that the doctor can retain revenue on all of the dry eye products, rather than having their patients go and purchase these products on Amazon. Um, So doctors can make their own customized boxes that have their own business logo on them, and they can sign their patients up to receive specific products, not what PEAK tells you that you should be using, but what your own prescribing preferences already are. And then the PEAK offices can fulfill those subscriptions, pack those boxes and send them directly to your patients with whatever products you prefer. So one of the best things that we um, take from this is the fact that we're able to improve compliance with our patients because we know that they're not gonna substitute with something on the shelf next to the product they've been prescribed. Like let's say you want your patient to use Refresh and they go to the store and they see the generic version of Refresh sitting next to it and it's $5 less or $10 less. We don't want them to grab that generic version because we the doctor know that it could have more harsh preservatives and actually have more of a detrimental effect on their dry eye than a benefit. So that's one thing. But then also when we talk about specialty lens doctors like um, Ortho-K fitters and scleral lens fitters, we're able to provide not just subscription dry eye boxes, but also subscription contact lens care boxes. I have a specific box that goes out to all my Ortho-K patients that has hydrogen peroxide solution and spare plungers and ProGent and you know, just all sorts of stuff, whatever I want, right. Whatever I, the prescribing doctor decide I want in there, um, for that patient to get every three months or, or however often I decide. And same thing for scleral lens. I can put Adipax in there. I can put scleral fill in there. Whatever I've prescribed for that patient can be direct shipped to that patient. So, you know, we name our conference vision by design. We also call our, 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 push for these ortho K boxes and scleral lens boxes. We call it compliance by design um, because we want to promote compliance with our patients, but we also want the doctors to get profits from those sales.
0: And that's real important. There's a lot of people that live, you know, 45 minutes to an hour from the pr- the practice they go to, and they, they can't stop in and pick stuff up. And um, I think you're absolutely right. There's a history of people making bad decisions on internet sources like like Amazon or even in the drugstore, um, they, they make these bad decisions and it's not good for them. And by the way, for listeners, it's, there'll be a link in the show notes, but it's P E E Q P R O peak pro. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that information with us. Busy lady. I don't know how you do it. I get, I get tired just talking to you. So, (laughs) um, Uh, Anyway, any final thoughts or that you'd like to wrap this up with? We've covered a ton of ground.
1: We have covered a ton of ground. I'm just so happy that I was able um, to talk with you, Ted. And, you know, I look at things in my life that have been just really fortunate. And one of those things was sitting down at the same table (laughs) as you did for breakfast (laughs) that day, because it's just been such a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. And I always love spreading my message. So anytime I'm invited to be on a podcast, I just feel um, fortunate that I'm able to have such a great medium to help spread the news.
0: Well, thank you very much, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you weren't up to date on the AAOMC before this podcast, you are now They have a lot of exciting things going on, and while in the past we have focused on scleral lenses, we notice in a lot of our conversations with colleagues that many scleral lens fitters are broadening their practices and adding orthokeratology and myopia control. A great way to make progress in this area is by attending the Vision by Design meeting. As I said before, the discount code is SLSPODCAST. We will see you there. Thanks for spending time with Dr. Chapman and me today. Until next time.